like I tell you, I knew what I was going to find in a way because I talked to other travelers. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you doubt because all your life you've been brainwashed with this information. You know, you see movies, you hear the radio, the television, the songs, whatever you do, Middle East or... And, you know, I started feeling guilty because of all the things I learned about them when I was growing up and it was so the opposite and I started to feel it bad <laughs> that I was receiving so much love and I was like, I don't deserve this. They have so much, in a way, happiness. They are really happy to see tourists because they know, and this is a huge thing too, they know what we think about them. So the first question they ask you when you meet them is like, how you dare to come here? You're not afraid? How do you take the chance to come here? We met a guy from a bakery. He said, ah, okay, foreigners, foreigners. He stopped us to, he wanted to give us tea and the bread because they give you everything to it. Like they feed you, they, yeah, no, it's amazing. So we stopped to talk to him. And it's a really long story, but to make it short, he, he said like, that is something that people usually tell you there too. Like, please say to your friends and your family that we are good people, we don't want war. When you go back to Argentina, please tell we are not terrorists. What do you think of when you hear about Iran or Kurdistan? Because like many Westerns, Angie from Argentina grew up with the idea that terrorism and Muslims meant the same. So in September of 2019, she decided to see how much truth was in those headlines she has read in the news, and without much thought, bought a ticket to Iran. Angie spent the next 62 days traveling through Iran and Kurdistan but she also spent this time exploring different aspects of a culture that was completely unknown to her. During this trip, Angie was able to meet the people behind the tabloid news. When an old man with tears in his eyes asked her to show her the word that their country was not one of terrorists, Angie vowed to make it a personal mission. And she did, and she wrote a book called Where Are the Terrorists? Right now it's only available in Spanish and you can find it through her website. In Spanish the title is ¿Y dónde están los terroristas? So without further ado, here it is my interview with Angie de Erico. So I, I want to start by, by asking you, like, how did you decide to take a trip to Iran and Kurdistan? It goes a long time ago, actually. I don't know if you know, probably you do, uh, El Alquimista from Paulo Coelho. Yeah. I read that when I was like nine, ten years old. Uh, my father gave it to me. And when I read that book, I got really interested in, you know, as a kid, like a huge desert and all these shepherds that go with the goats and I created a fantasy world in my mind about Middle East and I was like I need to go to Middle East like I would love to go to Middle East but when I started growing up I realized that people in our countries 
like in Western society, don't really like people in Middle East. Like I started hearing bad things. I was dangerous. Why do you want to go there? They're always at war. So then I said, okay, maybe it's not a good place to go. So I forgot about it. I started traveling around the world. I went to many countries. And in that countries, I met a lot of Muslim people. My curiosity woke up again and I was like, mm. okay, so I started talking to them and they were really nice and they started to tell me about these countries and how their culture was in a way similar to ours. Like they have some Latin things to me. I met a couple who went backpacking to Syria and they told me, oh, you need to go to Syria. People is really good. They are really hospitable. Like you will love it. I said, okay, next trip will be to Syria. But a year after that, uh, you know, United States decided to maybe put some bombs, <laughs> throw some bombs in Syria. So I said, okay, maybe Syria, no. So when I was looking to where I could go in Middle East, I met more people who started telling me, you need to go to Iran. People in Iran is really nice, really hospitable. They are really safe. So I said, okay, next trip it would be Iran. And I did it really fast because I was thinking the same, like I can't allow the same thing to happen to me again with the United States, you know, deciding to give some freedom to some country, some democracy. <laughs> so I said, okay, I need to go to Iran and... I was doing a work on holiday in Australia. So I thought, okay, as soon as I finish this visa, I will go to Iran. And that's it. And you did it. And actually, <laughs> I was researching Iran before our interview. And Iran is a level four country. So that means that, I mean, everything that you look about it, like traveling in Iran, visiting Iran, is like, no, don't go there because they're going to kidnap you and put you into arbitrary arrest. So that's why I went to start by asking you that. I mean, if you read the news, it's like, oh, man, like this is don't, really don't read the news. Don't read the news. Yeah, if you <laughs> want to travel, don't read the news. Is it uh, in which country is level four? They tell you it's level four. It yeah. is an, it is in an American page. It's ah, okay. Travel okay. state. That makes sense, right? It, it makes also sense. depends yeah. where the news comes <laughs> from. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so you traveled to Iran because you met people from other countries that were from there and from different parts of the Middle East. And, and you found like they told you there were some similarities with our culture and their culture. So let me start by asking you, OK, so you made the decision to go there. Were there anything like cultural shocks that you experienced when you went there? Well, actually, yeah, it was a, a huge cultural shock to me. Like I, I have been traveling for many years and, and still I was like really, it was really shocking because I have been to a Muslim country before in Malaysia, you know, they're mostly Muslims. So Iran, I was like, okay, will be kind of the same, but of course not because Iran is an Islamic Republic. So as soon as you are in the plane, like before you go out of the plane, you need to cover your hair as a woman. Right. So it started from the plane. <laughs> my culture, I was like, oh, my God, because I knew I was going to stay two months in my head. I thought that I would have to put the hijab as soon as I went out of the airport, not inside the plane. And to me, I was like already too restrictive. And I thought, like, oh, would I be able to deal with this for two months? Um, and then everything like, you know, people are really, really nice. I heard uh, people in Iran were really nice. That's why I went there. But what you find there is, you can't put it into words. Well, actually I can because I did a book about it. <laughs> but it, it really, there is, they have so much, in a way, happiness. They are really happy to see tourists because they know, and this is a huge thing too, 
they know what we think about them. So the first question they ask you when you meet them is like, how you dare to come here? You're not afraid? How do you took the chance to come here? And I say, okay, because I, I don't know, I met people and you know, you start feeling guilty because they are actually so nice. And coming back to this four-level country, I am telling you, and I, I always tell this, Iran is the safest country I visited in my whole traveling thing. And Iran and South Korea. South Korea was really like, too safe you can do anything in South Korea and it's safe and Iran is really like people take care about you a lot they worry about you they are so happy to meet foreigners you know they stop you on the street to say like "Ah, welcome to Iran what are you doing here they take pictures they want you to meet their family we had problems because they were fighting with each other to see who was going to take you to their home. It's like, okay, if you go with them tomorrow, then please, oh. please come with us and you need to go and see this. And they're really crazy because they, they are not used to see foreigners. Right. They get really they are, excited. They, they get really excited. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, so you said it's one of the safest countries you have visited and you were there as a solo female traveler. So that's huge. Were there any moment where you felt like, because you were all covered, right? And then women don't have many freedoms there and you coming as a western with you know used to a different way of living like wasn't that shocking to you in a sense or feeling unsafe that maybe like guys were looking at you too much or um I do want to say this is like I felt like I was a hybrid you know like a mix between a woman and a man because I was a foreigner So I was not fully considered a woman as a woman is considered in Iran. It was really different to me when I traveled alone, when I traveled with a female friend, and then when I traveled with a guy. It was really different how people perceived me, depending on who I was accompanied with. When I was alone, everybody talked to me and uh, guys would talk to me and they would, like, you know, if I did couch surfing, um, I would spend time with the men And they will take me to places where you usually only saw men. But I was there too. And no one was looking at me in the wrong way. I was allowed to be there because I was a foreigner. But there were no Iranian women, you know. It was weird. I had like a free pass because I was a foreigner. But then when I traveled with a guy, I automatically became a woman in every sense. So when we went to a house to do couch surfing, they would leave me with the women inside the house and the men will go out. And I was not allowed anymore there because like my partner was with them and he was the guy. So I was supposed to stay with the women, you know, regarding to the um, feeling safe. It happens to me the opposite thing, actually. You know, yeah, I was all covered, everything. But, you know, we are Latin American, so we are really, you know, we have wikis. We are really touchy in that yeah, sense. Really touchy, and yeah. We are really touchy. And it's weird also in Europe, you know, when you first meet someone you want to hug and they are like, oh, no, and they give you the hand. Well, in Iran, in their way of being, they're more like Latin. You know, you can make friends right away. They will talk to you in a really confident way. Like, you don't have to be too respectful. But the thing is, like, I stayed two days in a guy's house uh, doing couch surfing. We became really good friends, like, you know, like a traveling friends and stuff. So when I was saying goodbye to him, because I'm not going to see you anymore in my life, probably, I said, I will not have him because I was already knowing that, you know, don't touch people. But I just extended my hand 
Like I wanted to hug him because I, you know, we love hugging. But, but I extended my hand and he was like, no, 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 no. Like, like, please don't touch me. No, uh, you know, they always put their hand in their heart and they bow. Like, Angie, nice to meet you, but no, please don't. And, you know, when taking pictures, they will stand with their hands behind their back because they are not allowed to touch a woman that is not their partner. Unless, you know, it's a family member or something. But if they're not their partners, you are not allowed to touch. So in that sense, it wasn't like even like the opposite. You know, I felt like really bad because I needed to hug and to you have some to physical. Yeah, I wanted to have a physical contact. But it was, that's why I felt really safe in the opposite way. I felt really safe because no one was going to touch me. No one. Wow. And, you know, walking on the street, people look at me, but everybody looked at me because I was a foreigner. I didn't feel they were looking at me in a, in a bad way. Yeah, more like looking at you with curiosity, maybe. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Wow, and, and let me ask you now, what inspired you to write this book about these two countries? Uh, when I went there, you know, I had this knowledge in a way that, yeah, Iranian people is really hospitable, you will love it, it's really safe. I had this idea But when I went there, it was mind-blowing because I never experienced that anywhere, like really anywhere in this world. And, you know, I started feeling guilty because of all the things I learned about them when I was growing up. And it was so the opposite. And I started to feel it bad <laughs> that I was receiving so much love. And I was like, I don't deserve this. Because I, if you go to Argentina, people will not treat you like you are treating me. They will be scared of you. I had a really huge mix of emotions, but it was one specific moment. I was with a friend here, with a female friend. We were going to hitchhike. And on the way to the road, we met a guy from a bakery. He said, ah, okay, hey, foreigners, foreigners. He stopped us to, he wanted to give us tea and the bread because they give you everything to it. Like they feed you, they, yeah, no, it's amazing. So we stopped to talk to him. And it's a really long story, but to make it short, he, he said, like, that is something that people usually tell you there, too, that please, when you go back to Argentina, please tell we are not terrorists. Like, please say to your friends and your family that we are good people. We don't want war. We, they usually tell you this. But this guy in particular, like, he started crying. And he was, like, 60 years old. And, you know, it's a small town, like a bakery from, a, you know, like a small neighborhood. And, and I was thinking I thought at that time like man if there is a war for real the world will not care and people like him will die you know someone that actually wants to live in peace that he has his own place he cooks his bread every all these feelings started coming to me and I said okay like I was sharing my trip on Instagram because I please come to Iran look this is beautiful but I thought I can't allow this to fade away in a social network, you know, to be, to disappear so soon. This message, I think, is big enough to remain, to be physical in a way. Of course. I mean, there has to be a way to battle all the negative news and perceptions that are about these countries or the region of the world. Because as we said at the beginning of the interview, we have to check where those where the stores of those news are from. And it's really amazing that there are people that you that took the time to visit and to interact with the people living there and see that there's, it's completely different from what the media shows. So, so you have your book, Where Are the Terrorists? And I remember reading something, one part of your book that said something about the time that you entered to a house and there was a girl that had her period 
and she took you and wanted to tell you about it. Can you tell us more about that experience? Yeah. Well, that was really shocking too. You know, uh, there are some countries that are really taboo with different subjects. And I realized, yeah, of course, in Iran, they are not allowed to talk freely about many, many things. Especially, yeah, women, there are some things they can't talk about or they're not supposed to be talking about. And But what this made me realize is that they don't even talk about it among them. That's, I think, is the more shocking thing. Uh, I was doing couchsurfing. I was with a guy, traveling with a guy uh, at this time. So we met this, uh, we stayed with an Iranian guy and he wanted us to meet his cousins. So we went to a different house. And in this house, there were four other guys. And then there was this one girl. I think she was not that young, actually, maybe 23, 24. And as soon as we entered the house and we said, like, yeah, hi, nice to meet you. She came straight to me and she said, like, she whispered, like, I'm sorry, I had my period. Can we please, can you please talk to me and come here with me? I swear to you, it was like, as soon as I entered the house, like, I, I didn't even know her name. So we went to her room and she started telling me everything. Like, oh, yeah, I got it this morning and I have so much pain and there were no painkillers and I didn't know how to ask because I, like she wanted the painkillers, but she didn't want to say what it was for. So she lied. She said it was for her health. And then she was asking me like how I dealt with all the pain and what kind of pain I had. Because she said, oh, sometimes my belly hurts, but sometimes it's my boobs. Sometimes I, I don't, I'm not in the mood for, you know, cooking or cleaning, but, you know, you can't say you're not in the mood. And it's like, you know, when you, you are receiving a lot of information of things that you don't think you're going to hear in your life, especially uh, at this time. Yeah. I stay with her, of course. And I was like, I listened to her just to whatever she needed to say to me or whatever comfort she needed, I, I had to do it. Wow, she just needed a safe space to, to, exactly. to talk about this and she found it in you. How do you feel about that? Like you as a Western woman visiting that country? Sometimes it's too much to understand that that's what happens to me. Like, you know, until you realize what's going on, then you think what they might think about you and then just... You know, you don't have to think about it. You just need to learn to do what people need. Um, it's not the first time that that happened to me. It happened a lot to me in South Korea. The girls, they're not allowed to talk about sex. At least when I went there, it's not that they're not allowed, but they are, it's really bad seeing like, you know, you have to get married and then you can talk about whatever you want. But before getting married, you are supposed to be a virgin. Probably no one is, but you are supposed, like, yeah. you know, you have to. It's like uh, a so social rule. Exactly. You don't have exactly. to follow it. Okay. Exactly. And they will come to me and one girl, like, you know, she had a problem. She had to buy the after pill, but she didn't know how to take it. She didn't know anything. And she was, again, like 23, 24. It's not like, oh, okay, she's 15. Like, she doesn't. And I had to help her. So I was thinking at that time, like, imagine having to deal with this. That is such a big thing because it's in the end, like, you are scared. You don't know what to do. Yeah. Maybe you have a sickness, whatever that can happen. And you don't have anyone to trust. And you have to go with this story to a foreign girl that you just met just because you don't have anybody. And so you're nervous. Plus, you feel like an outsider because you have to deal with this alone. And to think about that, I was really like, wow. In Latin America, we have many bad things, but some things are like, man, this is such a safe space. Like you have friends. Whatever bad thing happens to us, we go straight to our friend. 
and we deal with everything like in community with our friends we help each other and having that is so important that maybe we give it for granted and yeah. then you go somewhere else and you realize it's not like this and I was like wow so I feel overwhelmed at that moment when I start thinking about what it means to them you know whatever you need from me I'm here you know whatever I will not think about it I will not analyze it because if I analyze it I will be crazy but just whatever you need I will do it I, I will not ask any question for you and and that's great really what that person needed at that moment just to just getting help without being you know analyzed with someone else and judged yeah or judge exactly yeah wow and tell us more about Kurdistan how was your experience there Kurdistan was even safer it was the safest of the two countries it was like you know when you google Kurdistan the only thing you see is people with guns and yes and it's like I have seen more officers and things here in Mexico right now that I've seen in Kurdistan there are some people on the borders of course there are military in the borders with the machine guns but then inside the country the area nothing and it's really really safe and people it's just uh, like you know a little country side town in Latin America you know when everybody's on the street in Argentina we are drinking mate but in Iran they drink tea so everybody's sitting outside their houses drinking the tea and you know the neighbor goes by and they start talking and you know it feels they talk to everybody they feel like a small community and I felt a bit yeah overwhelmed again in Kurdistan because it was too much to them imagine if Iranian people are not really used to see foreigners, so Kurdistan less. And I'm pretty sure some people I met, well, actually some people told me it was the first time they met a foreigner. So imagine that shock. It was like, oh my God, what are you doing here? Please tell, come. And one of the houses I went, actually in Kurdistan, most of the houses I slept in were people that I met on the street. Or I was hitchhiking and they would take me and then on the car, like, please come to my house, please stay in our house. And... Yeah, people that just saw you because you were a foreigner and they just came to you like, hi, nice to meet you. I think one of the best experience was with a family that none of them spoke English. But anyway, we managed <laughs> to communicate. To communicate. And we went to sleep in their house and it was, it's crazy. It's crazy because they are not used to. And this is the worst. Also, that really shocked me. And I felt really like shit because it is. Oh, they thought that the world behaves like them. You know, that everybody is as kind as they are because that's the minimum barrier to them. So they think the world is really open like they are uh, and that everything is really safe and the people will treat them like we treat them. Yeah. And they think they are dangerous because this is what they see on the movie, you know? So they think the world is safer than they are. And I'm like, man, you're going to get robbed. You're going to get killed. <laughs> Like it's all this. the way around yeah yeah because they really they have no um second intentions you know I don't know anywhere uh, I don't know in the rest of Latin America but at least in Buenos Aires you know like when someone is too nice to you you start thinking like mm, what yeah like, what do they want what yeah, do I they see. want in return you know that like you can't really fully trust someone because you know there is something wrong somehow yeah. not everybody of course but you know, usually you you, you think that everything is a transaction. If they're giving exactly. me something, I have to give something back. Exactly. And in Kurdistan, they give you everything because they want to. You know, at first I was really like, mm, this is weird. But then, you know, after a few days, it was like, I know this is 
this is how they are because between them they are like this too they give everything you know everybody come to my house okay I go to your house tomorrow it's like they give each other everything so when I think about this if you go to Argentina like you're really too naive you're gonna get robbed in, <laughs> in one second because I know you, yeah. you trust they are really trustful uh, um, another thing that I can mention to prove how safe it is Uh, you know, in Iran, because of the United States politics, they have sanctions, economic sanctions. So in Iran, you don't have international banks. You don't have international ATMs, nothing. So you have to go with cash. The only thing you can do is just bring your cash. I didn't have much because I was going only two months and like backpacking style. So I didn't have much money. But I met a lot of people from Spain or from uh, Australia that they were traveling, like, a, you know, to hotels and things like maybe staying a month. They arrived to the airport in cash with, I don't know, $2,000 in cash. And they were traveling around Iran with all this money with them because you can't leave them anywhere because there is no bank, there is nothing. And Iranian people know this. So imagine like, you're a walking ATM. You have all the money all the time with you and They know this and nothing happens. No one will steal from you. And if I think about this, like in Argentina, you're not that you are right to the airport and you just, put it just a taxi. outside. Of, yeah, just, yeah. Now imagine I don't yeah. even walk around with my money in Argentina because I'm scared. But there is like, yeah, no, they don't do it. Wow. That's, I would have never thought about this. I mean, to be honest, just before I read the title of your book and I start seeing your profile and what you post, I would have never guessed it, that these countries will be safe. Uh, I will have all these biases in my head about what I have seen in the news and in the media. So it's really amazing to hear this from you and to, to know that going there is safe. And then also the, the citizens are so trustworthy and They even know that you can be a walking ATM and they don't do anything about it. They yeah, don't do, do that. Yeah. And another thing is that Iran, the last war uh, that happened in Iran was in the 80s. It was Iran uh, against Iraq. But in Iran, there hasn't been anything. No war, no riot, no, nothing in between. Like all these years. So when, you know, when I said to people, oh, I went to Iran, oh, but those countries are all in war. It's like, man, they haven't had a war for 40 years. It's like the same time we had a war in Argentina too with the Malvinas was almost at the same period. So if you think Iran is in war, then we are in war too, at war. Exactly. Too. It's like, but people, they think, oh, Middle East war. I don't yeah. care about anything else. This is what they are. And also I arrived almost by the end of summer. No, autumn, almost autumn. So actually I froze. I went to the mountain. There was no, <laughs> you know, you snow? think, oh, the desert. Yeah, no, there was no, there was jungle. There were forests, uh, like, you know, deep blue water. Yeah, green water, waterfalls. <laughs> wow, I, I'm in shock right now. I will have thought it was all desert, all brown. Wow, <laughs> man, I gotta start researching more about these countries. <laughs> yes, please. No, 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 it's, No, it's crazy. I, like I tell you, I knew what I was going to find in a way because I talked to other travelers, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you doubt because all your life you've been brainwashed with this information. You know, you see movies, you hear uh, the radio, the television, the songs, whatever you do, Middle East war, it's hard to, to really understand that you've been lied your yeah. whole life. Well, I mean, <laughs> as soon as we turn on the TV or what's any news like we are being brainwashed so 
But that's a whole a conversation for, uh, yeah, now, for another topic. We can go five hours talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, before wrapping up the episode, let me ask you. So for someone listening that might be interested in visiting these countries, but it's still is like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, she said it was safe, whatever. But what if do you have like maybe like some words for someone like that? And then after that, I have another question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do want to say something to make it more, um, to not say, oh, please go to Iran, it's the safest, because it is. But at the same time, you need to know there are rules you have to attain to. Because one of the reasons why it's so safe, because they are really strict. It's like, I know no man will touch me, no, uh, I will not get robbed or anything, because if they do, what happens to them will be really cruel. So they are scared of their own system. To say it in a way that made me safe, of course, but at the same time is understand that they have really strict rules and you need to obey them. So if you do obey the law, then you're going to be fine. For example, the thing with covering your hair, do it. You have to, because if not, the rules apply to you the same as any other Iranian woman. And I think it's jail, some days in jail for not wearing the hijab. So do it. Because then if ah, I went to Iran and I, I ended up in jail, okay, but you, ha- you knew what you had to do. So if you do what you're supposed to do, then it will be perfect. But that said, yeah. then when it comes to society and everything, really is, I know it's hard, like I'm telling you, it's hard to believe because we've been brainwashed for years. But I swear to you, and I, I don't want to sound uh, like I'm bloating, but really, to make it look real, like I had been traveling for almost 10 years already. And I've been to countries, I don't know, Nepal, to Mongolia, to Russia. I've been to other places that are considered danger too. And I'm telling you for real, Iran is the safest among South Korea. I don't want to stop saying that because I felt really safe in South Korea too. But people will not do you any harm. On the contrary, they're desperate to get foreigners. So they will treat you even better than you deserve just because they want you to have a really good impression. And actually, I was surprised because, you know, in Iran, you have a like a, an area that is a touristic area. And in those places I saw foreigners, like, you know, group of, you know, these typical European old people that travel together <laughs> by bus, they were there too. And Iran is going crazy to trying to promote tourism. And actually, you don't even need money because they give you everything like I spent in these two months, I spent $200 in total. And because I wanted to, because some days I said, I need to stay in a hotel because I can't deal with people anymore. Like I, you know, I was hearing so many stories, so many things, and I needed to, you know, stop our head for a right. bit. So I paid for things because I wanted to. Like if you don't want to pay money, you will not pay because they invite you all the time because That's they amazing. are really hospitable. And you really need to go with the idea of meeting people because they will talk to you and they will try to grab you and take you <laughs> to their home and meeting all the, the family members and everything. But for real, it's an intense country. That's why you need to know too. You need to go prepared to talk a lot because they really want, they are desperate to talk. But really is the safest. They don't have a mentality for doing bad things whatever you heard on the news that's not true i think it has to do with being with islam with being muslim because they do have this 
thing to be hospitable with the traveler. Like it's on the Bible too, but we don't take it that <laughs> we don't take it yeah that seriously. But it is in the Quran, and and they do everything from the Quran, so they will treat you like a king, like a queen. Wow. So. You mentioned something really important that to get to know the culture of the country you're visiting, because you said there are certain rules in Iran and and you know if you follow them you're gonna be you're gonna be okay. We also like from what you say, yeah, it's really safe and people want to get to know you and all that. But I know that if I go as a solo female traveler, I will have to cover my hair. Yeah, I will have to cover my head and I will have to dress properly, and that's the way it is. Exactly. Yeah. You will see, you know, women there are tired too. Not all of them, but most that I met. And, you know, inside the houses, we were without the thing. Or when we were doing hikings in the mountains, we were without the thing. Like, because even men, they don't care. It's just a government thing. So they don't even care either. It's just a, for the law. You do everything for the law. Then you go and you will find them. If you stay long enough, you will see where to behave properly or not. But please, like, take in consideration that whatever you do outside the law, if they see you or something, you, you will be punished because this is how it is. Like, if you want to party, yeah, don't go to Iran. Yeah, <laughs> Alcohol yeah. is prohibited. So, yeah. Yeah, it's also important to know what, what will be the intention of this trip. Yeah. Not, if you want to go to party, exactly. yeah, don't exactly. go to Iran. And yeah. do you think you will ever go back to either Iran or Kurdistan? Yeah, it was my trip for 2020. <laughs> But things happen, you know. I wanted to, because even though I stay two months, uh, for me it was really short. And I, there were many areas that I couldn't visit. And I wanted to go back for their new year that is actually now. They have a different calendar. And it's also the beginning of spring is their new year. Uh, it's a huge party like a really huge celebration and every they love dancing that's another thing I felt like like a Latin thing because we were dancing hand in hand all the time they love dancing yeah I wanted to go the year before then I couldn't then last year was still not so right now it's opening again so probably as soon as I can I, I will go there are many things I still need to see and I really want to go to the Kurdistan in Iraq was just in the border and I wanted to cross but if I cross I couldn't enter again to Iran and so I said okay I stay in Iran and then next time I will go there but yeah for sure I I really need to to go back I really want to that's amazing that's amazing well Angie for anyone that listened to this episode that wants to get in contact with you where are the the best places to find you uh, you can find me on Instagram is Titin around the world and I also have a podcast there it's called it's in Spanish anyway if you want to learn Spanish <laughs> it's called Historias que molestan uh, and I have a blog as well that is uh, titinroundtheworld.com Angie thank you so much for your time and this interview was amazing and thank you so much for sharing about your experience in these two countries that I'm kind of like yeah, and for changing our perspective about it Like, for example, my personal perspective, I'm like, no, I'm curious. I kind of want to go there, <laughs> seriously, and, and see for myself. I want to get more love than I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in there. You will feel story. guilty of all the love you will get. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for the love. <laughs> love me. Please love me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just, thank you so much again. Okay.